In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. They're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hello, Sam. Hello, Blaine. Welcome back to the Anson's Podcast Studio. Thank you. We are here at the table to talk about being behind and how hard life is. Yay! Because there are a few topics that are evergreen for a young man. Mm. Like, not only your job and how do you know that she's the one and what do you do with being a being who carries God's creative energy in your sexuality I bet you very few people ask themselves that question. Uh, Maybe not in those words, but everybody is asking themselves that question. Hmm. And then why does it seem to be easier for everyone else is how I would bracket this conversation. And if you're someone who's going, wait, other people are asking themselves that question, that might be very relieving to you right from the get-go. Why does it seem to be easier for everybody else? I think everyone does have it easier than me. I, there, there's a hack that we I do. have not discovered. We have a club. And that when people tell me. Where we talk about how much easier it is for us than you. I think it's, what it is, is it's a club that I'm not a part of where once a month they're like, okay. Uh, and to wrap up the club, everybody come to the front and pick up your $2,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here, here are your coming up cheat codes. Grab it on your way out. Here's a plane ticket anywhere in the world and a cool t-shirt. Right. Uh, and go. <laughs> so and, when you see people with cool t-shirts, you're like, how did they get that? It's interesting because we make a magazine in which there are cool adventure articles. And some people, even our friends, have gone, it can be hard to look at that. Right. Because it looks like the Anson's team is always making forays into the jungle to catch rare fish. As one does. But here is the interesting piece. I was recently at a dinner with you and Susie, Mm -hmm. and I have... A front row seat to your life. A front row seat, it turns out, is still pretty far back. Yeah. There are many mediating layers. But we have pe- to have space for the orchestra, Blaine. Yeah. <laughs> People were talking about, it happened in the course of conversation that five or six of the cool things that you guys have done in the past couple of years came up together. In the past, like, decade. And it was getting scuba certified and... Some travel we've done. Some travel you've done and climbing a mountain in the winter. Mm -hmm. And forget the table. I was going, how do they do it? (laughs) And the funny thing is, is I actually know that that it's not easy and that there is a cost to all that. Right. But I'm getting the highlight reel to a life I'm very familiar with going, why is it easier for them? (laughs) Never mind that we've just taken three high points over the course of almost a decade and laid them on top of each other as though they were seamless transitions. 
Like we're just some sort of Instagram travel influencers who are drinking from a pipe full of money and time and freedom. And the thing is, my goodness, you guys in this conversation, we're doing your best to expose that. So how much harder is it when we operate in a world where people try to hide how hard life is because of shame? And the world tries to uh, hide how hard life is to get more of your money. Yeah, this question of like, why does it seem to be easier for everybody else? That is a narrative that's being sold. That's a narrative that we're not even totally aware of how often that's going on. When we were... uh, Recently in Chicago, am I recently? Now I mean like over a year ago. Um, time is an illusion, and so are pants. If anybody gets that reference. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, no, it's um, fine. We'll just leave it out there. It's a little tidbit. Um, I remember driving around downtown and seeing all these new cars and these new apartments being listed for a scandalous amount of money, and I was like, who? Who is buying all this stuff? Like, I, don't, I don't personally know a single person who's able to afford a brand new car or a million dollar apartment in some downtown swanky place. And I find myself being like, but I'm seeing it all. Therefore, someone's buying it. Therefore, I am failing because I'm not buying it. And it was just so interesting how quickly like the peripheral stuff became my metric for whether I'm doing it right or not. Yes. Okay. And let's go. It is tremendously advantageous to the world as money machine to give especially young people an unrealistic picture of life, an unrealistic picture of what a normal life looks like. And my most recent indicator for this or example of this was the side of a Starbucks coffee cup. And everything from that first sip feeling to let us add a little joy to your day, it was all tonally positioned to suggest or to make you think that a Starbucks coffee is a normal part of a normal person's day, where I just go, who can get a $3 coffee every day? I get stressed out when... My daughter right now likes to go to coffee shops to get pastries. And so when... Wow. Welcome to the human race, my goodness. daughter. <laughs> Which is a way of saying she's exactly like me. <laughs> and I love croissants. And she'll ask on a weekend, you know, almost like every Saturday, she will ask, can we go to a coffee shop on a coffee shop date? And I want to say yes. And yet even every week... Makes puts me into panic mode where I go, yeah, but even that is not easy. That requires real budgeting preparation and having a good strategic mind for your money. And yet here we have Queen Starbucks going, coffee is normal. And mm-hmm. they are dining out on convincing people that it's normal. But that is an unrealistic picture of life. Mm. Yeah, this is like our propaganda conversation of just, were you aware of what was going on in the background of the Super Bowl ads? Were you aware of the life, 
that seems to be easy and normal and held out there. And you're like, ah, there was like a a pizza pocket ad on some YouTube video recently where like a mom is bringing out something to the kids in the garage. And I'm like, what? How are you able to afford any of this stuff? How do you have like a full band setup in a two-car garage where you clearly don't need the garage, but there's other stuff on the walls and like there's this general like rosiness. Like my garage looks like a bomb went off and it's full of broken things and semi-useless things. And I swear I'd never be a hoarder because I've seen people with like, (laughs) okay, actual hoarding is a mental thing. But then there's like the non-mental version, which begins with a bit of neuroticism of, I don't know when I'm going to need this screw. I just took the screw out of something and I could make like, do I look neurotic right now as I'm talking about it? <laughs> you look like a wizard. Yeah. Wizard I'm Sam. very aware of this stuff. Yeah. That's going to be great on her. I want, I want the ads that are for normal people's lives. I want the ads that are like, oh. Yes, so... Genuine. First thing. First 11th thing. I think we referenced during the summer the more in common study from, gosh, 2018. Fascinating read. The the gist of it is, is it's this cross-country survey uh, largely related to income and politics that just goes, where do people fall? And what it discovered is that the far left and the far right are tiny, tiny slices of the population that, and I'm, we're talking about that together add up, I think, to about 12%. A tiny minority who together create all the social campaigns and all the TV shows, and they are the ones making the image of what life is like, and they named the whole middle territory as the exhausted majority. And so step one is there is a story that is constantly circulating in the West and different parts of the world have their own story, but there is a story circulating about what your life should be like. And ours is grossly, horrifically inaccurate. Using TV as an example, going, this has been true for decades. This has been true since the invention of television. I was going to use Friends as an example, but then I remembered I Love Lucy and went, oh, Friends, here's some ordinary people living in the city together. And you go, yeah, in like a million dollar apartment. Are they renting that thing? How much is rent? That's crazy. None of them have jobs. (laughs) And just kind of went, and you mentioned the Super Bowl ads. We have a couch that we got for free from somebody's nephew that didn't have legs, and I used a piece of plywood from a dumpster to make legs that actually look really good because if you have wood glue and a piece of sandpaper, you can do this. But it's still a free couch that doesn't really match anything else. It's light blue, and I would love to be able to replace it with a better-looking couch. So Mm -hmm. I happen to know while I'm watching Super Bowl ads and it's for a cleaning product, and all the normal, in quotes, people are hanging out in their normal apartment. And I go, that's a $5,000 couch they're spilling Doritos on. The people who have $5,000 couches eat Doritos, and that couch over there is a $2,500 love seat. So 
whoever owns this apartment is like a lawyer with twice as much time as anyone else. Which is where that message gets back in again of everyone else has it easier. Somehow everybody else is able to have their second car or buy a house or whatever. I remember we did our trip out to California last year to visit some old college friends. And it was like going on a tour of different metrics of success. As we saw four or five different groups of friends, some had little kids and were living with their parents. Some lived in very modest uh, middle California housing where it, it felt very familiar to our lives where things were chaotic. And if it wasn't too broken, it was still good enough to have around. And then a couple of friends had really thrown themselves into the work world where like I haven't seen them or heard from them uh, since college, really. And it was kind of interesting to pop in their world and interrupt their flow for all of 24 hours and be like, wait, you're the person in the ad. You're the person that has the $2 million apartment. This couch costs more than all of the vehicles I've ever owned combined. And my kids are taking your very expensive coasters and trying to carve their name into it. Oh, did I mention it was flown over from a different country? Like, I just walking around this place going, I think I've failed. Unless I'm with that other family where the value was uh, just being present in a community and, and being present to a family and creating these things. I'm going like, oh my gosh. If you put these two groups of people together, they're both going to feel like they failed by the metric of each other. The one yes. for business, the other for family. And being like the the whole the whole narrative of everybody else has it easier in a blank category. Like it's it's insidious because it actually works on everybody's life. And the end result is this feeling of like I've just made irreparable mistakes and it's too late for those things. And so I've just got to throw myself into my lot in life. All it ends in is incredible dissatisfaction. Yes. I'm even interested in this as a, it looks like it's easier for other people thing. Here's a local example. Sam, you look great right now. You're wearing a cool hoodie, some jeans, uh, a training watch. That that hoodie I happen to know is like a $100 hoodie. Where'd you get it? Uh, it was given to me for free. Oh, so you didn't have like $100 to buy that when? No. Okay. It's a very cool training watch. Where'd that come from? Oh, it was a, it was a Christmas present. Yeah. Like, I mean, you paid for half for some of it. Yeah, I know. So I it goes to Christmas. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but I asked about my pants. What about your pants? Dad bought these. <laughs> that was so nice of him. You want to ask about uh, my underwear? <laughs> Somebody else I gave me know. those as a gift. <laughs> I think he bought your shoes, though. Am I, I right? did buy my shoes. Of everything that I'm wearing, I bought my shoes. My socks were a Christmas present from like 10 years ago. Okay. There's holes in them. And, and over time. But if you were to walk into a coffee shop right now. Oh, wearing, I look very put together. Wearing a, a cool, nice hoodie and mm-hmm. good jeans and mm-hmm. a training watch, it would be like, wow, that guy can do it. That guy's got money to spend on himself. And returning to the example of, because we do. But he doesn't. <laughs> That's the thing. We do know people who have gone into some into an industry that pays well. And what I want to name is everybody has 100 self 
percentage points. That they are dividing between work, friends, family, God, and and then even self. I didn't reflect on these categories beforehand. No, I'm just from the hip here. But going, yes, it is possible to work in finance and to go, I happen to know uh, how demanding those jobs are and how they want your whole being. And you don't have time to go do things and you don't have time to... uh, unwind and everybody is navigating trade-offs and um and and chasing something and a classic one for me as someone who lives in a suburban neighborhood uh are people's lawns you may not know this if you don't have a lawn yet lawns are very expensive things yeah landscaping i just tried to buy a rock last summer i couldn't afford it <laughs> how, how much was the rock hundreds of dollars. This is a rock, people. It was a, it was a, I mean, it was a big, it was a big, beautiful rock. But this happens to me but when I- felt like Donkey and Trek. <laughs> That's a nice boulder. Exactly. Think of the last time you were trying to buy a bike. And so you spent some time on Craigslist and all of a sudden you had eyes for how much bikes cost mm-hmm. and you were driving around and were like, oh my gosh, that guy just went by on a thousand dollar bicycle. That guy just <laughs> went by on a ten thousand dollar bike. Exactly. As the case may be. That's what happened with me with lawns after landscaping last summer. And I went, that guy has fifteen hundred dollars of flowers in right. that one bed. Right. And and when, how did he do that? And the interesting thing is there is always an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and go, how do you do that? And go. Oh, ask his wife. Ask his wife how he did that. Um, Or go, wow, they seem to always have time to mow their lawn and go, yeah, ask their church about that. What you're Um, insinuating isn't that they they know because they're they're spending their points in different places. They're spending their time. There, There is a cost somewhere else. Right. And just going, none of those people are nailing it everywhere. Right. And the relevant question for them actually is, oh, what are you called to? Because it may be that any set of priorities reflects what you're called to. And maybe God, let's assume all these people suddenly have a life with God and go. You're very pessimistic about your neighbors. <laughs> um, well, I'm just saying, you know, pick 10 houses off of any. And they did have a decapitated street. head ornament oh, yeah. in their yard. Well, I wasn't thinking about that. Oh, okay. Uh, their yard looks terrible. But in the summer, their yard looks so good. <laughs> okay. And his, actually, they're the ones whose garage I have garage envy for because mm. they finished it. And right. They have those red toolboxes. Yeah. And uh, dirt bike. A good pegboard, yeah. like where everything's organized. It looks and new. real good. Real different than mine. Why do I have like six Phillips head screwdrivers that are all <laughs> the same diameter? Like, dad, don't look in my toolbox. <laughs> I don't know why. People living a human life, which is a pretty simple thing are finding ways to support their priorities with the pretty limited resources that are associated with one person's life. Mm-hmm. And between young men, it's really helpful to ask those questions, kind of the basics of how are you doing this? How did you, how did you, and you know, even obviously older men, I remember driving back from an event where our IT manager was talking about how his daughter was getting made fun 
at school by being called rich girl. Mm-hmm. And he went, the funny thing is my house is half the size of all their houses. And she's getting called rich girl because they know I have a motorcycle, a nice motorcycle. And he goes, but all their parents have car payments. And I bought a car that barely ran and, and went, oh. Right. So you have, you know, a pretty normal amount of hours in the day to get a pretty normal amount of work done. And you're finding ways to support priorities with that. Yeah. I wish we had little metrics running on things that would indicate how much time it took as well, which would which would also be unhelpful because the other narrative of you're behind is already prevalent enough. But when I look at my neighbors across the street, their yard is green, their hedges are trimmed, their flowers look great. And the lawn care guy keeps dropping my, my house every time we're going, you know, your lawn isn't the worst in the neighborhood, which by the way, bro, is a really bad opening. <laughs> Just like, thanks. Have a nice life. Is this a neighbor or a... This is a salesperson trying to like wow. get me to fix the holes in my yard. And what I want is like a time metric on my neighbor's house and yard that's just going, this took 15 years. This took five years. This tree that you're admiring took 30 years. And there's actually something of permission in that where Susie and I have begun going, okay, we can't just snap our fingers and spend $4,000 on yard stuff, though our yard would certainly ask for it. We can afford a couple hundred bucks this year. So where do we want to put that? We're going to buy a couple of bushes. That's it. The whole year. Now we're going to try and take care of them because we've got capacity for that. Then fast forward five years, snap your fingers, you have this house thing. It's like the outfit thing. Most of what I'm wearing has been accumulated over years rather than was just sort of walk in, drop all this cash from all the success that I have and walk out looking and feeling this way. It's like, you need the permission to say and see that things take time with also being able to balance the inevitable, I knew that was going to take 10 years and therefore I'm 10 years behind. You're like, whoa, 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 easy, easy. There's a lot of condemnation coming from both sides. Right. How do you reject the condemnation, beat the shame? And a few pieces there. One that's funny is M is adamant. My wife is adamant that we can render an incredible service for our friends, which is have all the shortcomings as visible as possible. And last summer when it took me six months to do landscaping, and during that time, there was edging and piles of mulch. There's just stuff everywhere. And I just looked like the worst homeowner. M kind of loved it because I went, hey, how's the, you know, the, how's the landscape going? And people do that, which the response is, uh, there's a philosopher, Michel Foucault, who called it interpolation. They're trying to pull you back into the system. <laughs> and there's a way that I could have responded that affirmed that it's good to have all the time to get your yard work done. Or there's a way that I could respond that goes, oh, yeah, oh, I would love to be uh, better at coming up with free time to work on that, but I can barely get time with God. And that's actually not the thing where I'm struggling the most. Another part of the question is, where do you get a realistic picture 
of a young man's life or any life, uh, when everybody is trying to adhere to an unreal picture that they didn't make. I mean, naming them obviously is the beginning hope for us. Just be like, you walk in to a coffee shop to meet somebody, be very aware of that narrative of somehow it's easier for them. Somehow things have clicked in sooner. Somehow they are X. There's just a dignity to naming the cost. Maybe your friend that bought the new car really is killing it in their job, or maybe they felt the pressure to look successful and therefore be irresponsible with their money and take out a car payment and just know that like every, every human being is a human being and that if you're not aware of the narrative, you're probably going to be buying into it and it might be actually contributing to some of the despair and the hopelessness that feels like the 20s are fraught with as you're looking ahead going, the jump from graduating from college to having the job, apartment, house, physique, finances, family, all set up and running. Like, I'd rather go climb Everest three times. That sounds way more doable, especially when I'm confronted with all of the ways that my friends are somehow doing it faster and easier. And it was just so crazy. Oh, so I have this friend who is in my graduating class. Um, and he started in real estate a couple of years after graduating, like tried some things, failed some things, got into real estate. And he understood that to project an image of success would actually invite success. And so he just, he like cultivated this brilliant poser. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, he's killing it. And actually now he is because he's gotten the world to swallow the same lie that he was selling from the beginning, that he wasn't killing it. He wasn't killing it for years. He just made it look like he was. And eventually, sadly, in this case, it like totally paid off. And I'm like, I look at that story and I go, oh, so I just don't pose well enough. I just need to... Man, if I had gotten into real estate, then I would. And then just look at all of the studies of like happiness for basically everybody. They think it's like 20% more away. And you're like, yes. this, like you got, like, it's not well, yeah, elusive and, to just you. Pause there because that's fascinating where it goes. Everybody thinks that whatever your income is, add 20% and then you'd be good. However much time you have to exercise 20% and then you'd be good. However much you can lift, if you could lift 20% more, you'd then love your body and go, wow, just discovering that, naming that that is just not true <laughs> uh, can save you a lot of time chasing 20% more. Mm -hmm. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? <laughs> One more dollar than I have. Uh, here's the double-edged sword. I see that this cuts both ways because... What is bred is a shame and frustration and exhaustion when it looks like there's a way life should be and you can't get there. The other thing that it actually takes away is gratitude, which is one of the superpowers God has given humanity, all the things it does for a person's overall well-being, and go, because on the flip side... <laughs> Every single part of my life is gift. And where I go, 
oh, my back hurts after an agonizing day of yard work. And how many people could go, you can walk? And go, well, sure, I could walk. Or I can go, I can only go out, you know, once every couple weeks to a cafe with my daughter and go, you can ever do that? The unrealistic picture also takes away how full of the generosity of God my life is and that I could be enjoying if I actually felt grateful for it, not like I was totally failing. And to go, wow, how do I just renounce? I renounce your picture world. I look for other things. And I mean, here's some real real practical ones. I love watching the eighth season of Meat Eater, the show on Netflix, because I have my parents' Netflix password, y'all. And Oh, so another thing you're not paying for. <laughs> yeah, I'm for sure not paying for that. Uh, watching these people's lives who are very simple, but who are excellent fishermen, excellent hunters, and something of human flourishing is revealed in their expertise. And it takes me back to my gratitude for my dug fur chopping block, which, by the way, was not easy to get. I had to go deep into the woods. Um, And (laughs) it's funny, but not everybody has that or could get one. And it's very satisfying to have. And when I have this picture of human flourishing that's more realistic to human nature and limited time and, you know, Wendell Berry and trying to find other ordinary people and even more ordinary people than I am, creates a set of expectations that actually allows me to go, wow, suddenly... I can enjoy even having a set of relationships where I actually had a connection where someone could refer me to a nephew to give me a pretty good free couch. Mm-hmm. And like, I look at it and go, that couch rocks. Yeah. Last summer, I was able to check off one of my goals for f- the next five years, which was doing a half Ironman. And I remember all of the training, all of the time, all of these things where you're like, I'm wondering where the, like, where's the goal? And I love all of the training because we've talked about that before. But one of the race organizers was doing this pre-race safety talk, run through of everything. And I remember he had this, he finished on this gratitude piece that was super helpful of like, whatever happens tomorrow, whether you finish or not, hold on to these three pieces of gratitude. First, be grateful that we live in a place where we get to do this. Like have eyes for where you are in the world and in the country and in the state. Like It's gorgeous. Be grateful that you get to do this here. Second, be grateful that you had, you're the kind of person that had the courage to say yes to trying something like this. Like that on its own is amazing and really like own that part of this process. And third, be grateful that you have the body that has the health to even attempt this, to be able to swim and to bike and to run. And then you take the verdict of how fast or even if you complete this. I remember sitting there going like, that is, this is actually really good. I, I want to be practicing that more places and found myself practicing it the other day as it was just a particularly beautiful day going, I am so grateful to live in a beautiful place. And yes, there's holes all over my house and my yard is not the best one on the street and my car is falling apart actively and sounds horrible when idling in a red light. But actually, we are all healthy, relatively, 
and we live in a beautiful place and I have much to be grateful for. And that practice, yes, it saves me many, 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 many times from the slippery slope into envy and hatred and despair that is the fruit of the other, the fruit of everyone's ahead, I'm behind, and somehow it's easier for everybody else to have all these things because then I would be happy if I had them. 